in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, well, don't sit down, Jan. I'm going to bring you up. <laughs> so, um, as you know, um, we've been sharing just... Dan- Danielle and I have been walking with uh, Mrs. Jan, by the way, <laughs> and I'm walking with Sheridan and Jan um, and just getting to know them. And as we've said, we've been to their place, they've been to our place, and I just felt God say, bring them down and just get to know them a bit more and just allow what's on them and what God's doing in them and through them because it's amazing what he is doing. You know, we got talking last night and just so similar. And it's almost like a getting back to basics sort of a thing, get back to me and allow me to define it all. So um, Jan's got something for us, so I'm just going to hand it over. Good morning. Great to be with you. Um, I asked God for um, a word for you as a church, and um, the words that I got was to celebrate the now and to look forward. And I got the scripture... um, Isaiah 43:19 and it says for I am about to do something new see I have already begun do you not see it I will make a pathway through the wilderness I will create rivers in the dry wasteland that's Isaiah 43:19 and I got a picture of um uh, actually, I, I saw a movie recently, and there was a guy on a on a bike going along, and he started to look backwards, look around, and it sort of got a little bit messy because he went into a a pole, and <laughs> got hurt. And I got a picture of that. There's God wants to encourage you to look forward, to look forward, uh, to celebrate the now, and to look forward, not to go along and go, oh, oh, wow, well, it's, it was so good back then. Oh, wow. And then <laughs> crash. But, but to celebrate the now, God is doing something new and to look forward. And, I, you know, I saw, um, got that picture as well. We just sang about the new day dawning. You know, if we were always looking back to like, oh, man, the sunset last night was so good. And, but then we're going to miss the sunrise if we're constantly looking back. But God is a, is a creator today, and he is creating today. He is creating tomorrow, and God is doing something new in you. And so I encourage you, God wants to encourage you to celebrate what he is doing and to look forward and to go forward as a church. And, and for Greg and, and Danielle and for your beautiful girls, I saw um, a picture of you... Uh, with an, a beautiful big umbrella over you, and it was like a a, um, a beautiful protection over you because you're at the forefront of, I guess you know the the army, the battle, and it was a beautiful protection over you, and but it was um, it was like there was rain coming down under the umbrella, um, but it was a beautiful rain from the Holy Spirit. And there was protection from the other stuff that was coming, and so I saw. I, I guess a little bit like you know when you're on a on a um, an, a forest walk or whatever, a tramping, and you're you're putting all the you know the the scratchy branches aside. You when you're at the front, you're putting it all aside, and you get all the scratches and that on you. I saw the 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 rain coming down, and the 
just um, mending and and the, the scratches and and yeah, and it was a beautiful thing. And then I saw the church behind you, um, and the prayers of the church come. It's like the battle, you know, the army, the army as the army joined with you, and you were at the the forefront, and the prayers came, and it was like a it, it caused a mighty wind. Um, from the prayers of the church around you, and, the, and, and as the wind blew, it was just like the army just went soaring forward with you guys at the at the front. So I encourage um, you all as a church that your prayers are so valuable, and pr- and your prayers for um, your leaders are so valuable. So be blessed, church, Greg and Denia, be blessed. Mm. Yeah. Awesome, eh? That's awesome. Okay, well, um, as I met these guys a little while ago, and uh, it's awesome to have both of you with us, so thank you for that. And uh, just come and release, mate, what's, awesome. uh, what's on you. That's awesome. Thank you. Bless you, man. It's so good to be with you guys today, and I uh, bring greetings to you from Eastside Church in Hamilton. And uh, it's nice of them to let us go for the weekend. And it's, it's great. We're really loving to get to know Greg and Danielle and the girls. And um, it's really, I don't think of it as a coincidence when God brings you in connection with people. I think it's something of his agenda and we're really loving the journey. I can see there's some things we've failed to talk about because I know for a fact that the sport of heaven is motorsport. Because <laughs> I cut a deal with Jesus and I've got a racetrack in my backyard. You can come and play if you want to. In heaven, I also know that if you want to listen to country music, the only place you're going to hear that is. <laughs> so sorry about that. <laughs> At Jesus' feet? No, no, I didn't have that in mind, but there you go. There you go. Hey, um, this morning, I need you to hear everything that I say through the filter that I bring it. I've got a filter that I live life through, a deep conviction, and it's this. And if you hear what I say through my filter, it'll probably help you. So my, my filter is this. Maybe, just maybe, Jesus is nicer than you think he is. That's my filter for life. Maybe, just maybe, Jesus is nicer than you think he is. Cool. Let's, um, we'll pray. Father, I thank you this morning that we get to sit around your word. I thank you that we have such freedom to come and sit in a place together and journey together in you. And Father, my faith this morning is that you're going to shift something in people's lives. That this will be a place of revelation. That this will be a place where you go to work on us as a people, as your people. And where you will shift things that need to be shifted. So Lord, my prayer is, and my faith is, that people this morning will hear what you say, not what I say. They will hear from heaven, they will hear from your word, they will hear from you this morning. And my words will drop into insignificance, but the seeds of heaven will take full root. Uh, They will grow into magnificent plants and trees in people's lives, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I love the church. I love God's church. I think God's church is the most incredible thing. I've invested my life into Jesus' church, and uh, I do so absolutely willingly. I love it. 
I love what he's doing with our nation, with the church in our nation and various things. I love his family. My greatest desire is that his church, his people, encounter the power and the presence, the transforming presence of God. That's my strongest desire. I think when we come together like this, the, the testimony I'm looking forward to is uh, looking to hear when people leave our gatherings is that I encountered Jesus this morning. I encountered the power of God. I, he did something in my life. He brought a transformation. I can feel something shifted. It's a different thing going to walk that out the following week, but you can feel when something shifts in you internally. And um, and that's my prayer. At the same time as I love the church, I get so frustrated with believers. Man, you guys are probably different. But people in Hamilton drive me crazy because they are satisfied to live the stifled expression of their faith. They're satisfied to walk this religious journey that just does not engage the power and the presence and the reality of Jesus Christ. It's more marked by rules and regulations and what they feel church or relationship with God needs to look like than the reality of who Jesus is in our lives. And I look at that and I just go, man, come on. John 10.10 is one of my life verses. John 10.10 says the devil or the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But I have come, Jesus' words, to give them life and life in the fullness or life in abundance. Everything about our faith, everything about our relationship with Jesus, based on the words of Jesus, should bring us into a fullness of expression, a bigger world. And if you're living a life and, and you're just finding that things are getting squashed and tighter and smaller and under pressure, friends, it's not God. It says that's what the thief does. He comes and he just tries to rob us and he just squeezes us down and everything gets more tight and more miserable. And, but Jesus says, no, no, my purpose is the opposite. I've come that you'd have abundant peace. I've come that you'd have abundant hope, that you'd have abundant love, that you'd have abundant joy, that you'd have abundant health, that you'd have abundant finance, because don't you know that it needs to overflow so you've got enough to give away of anything in life? He says, I've got abundance for you. And so I'm praying this morning that you'll pick up something of the abundance of God. Now there are conditions. That's what we're going to talk about. Is that all right? Cool? Great. Why don't you grab your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 6. This is kind of going to come to you in two parts, if I get that far. And um, you'll pick up the first part first, and then we'll change gear into the second part. Just remember that maybe, just maybe, Jesus is nicer than you think he is. Romans chapter 6, 1 to 14. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, so it might be a bit different than what you've got. But I like this one. Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when you were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For he, for we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. 
We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We're no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Don't let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin no longer is your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Man, that's powerful. How many here this morning are disciples of Jesus? Just give me a wave. Cool, most of us. How many have been baptized? Cool, most of us. Well then, it's quite clear, isn't it? You're dead. Why don't you look to the person to them and say, congratulations, you're dead. Tell them they look really, really good for a dead person. Really good for a dead person. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, from 11 to 21, I won't read it all, but down a few verses there it says, We have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Ow. Yolch. It's always good, eh, reading the scripture until you realize, oh, that's talking to me. And, oh, man, that's tough. You go further in that passage and it says, so we are now Christ's ambassadors. I love that scripture. Did I mention that you're dead? Great. But you're also an ambassador of Christ. If you need to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you're a disciple of Christ, you are an ambassador of Christ. You died to yourself and you've become an ambassador of the kingdom of God. Now, we don't understand that that well in our world because you become an ambassador of the kingdom of God. We don't understand kingdom. See, we understand democracy. Everything in you and I has been wired for democracy. That means we're allowed an opinion, we're allowed to lobby, we're allowed to make our thoughts known. Not in the kingdom, not in any kingdom. The word of the king is the law. You don't question it. You don't have an opinion on it. The word of the king is the law. The word of the kingdom of God, the Bible, is the law. We don't get to have an opinion. We can look at it. We can allow God to speak to it, to us through it. We can examine it. We can bring ourselves to understand it. But we don't actually get to have an opinion on it. It is what it is, and it says what it says, because the king said so. An ambassador represents the kingdom. It's an amazing thought. An ambassador represents the kingdom. An ambassador does not represent themselves. 
You and I are disciples of Christ. We're ambassadors of the kingdom of God. We do not represent ourselves. Our opinions don't mean squat. We're called to represent the kingdom. We're called to represent the king himself. And it should be easy because we're dead to self. Dead men men don't squeal. Dead men, dead women don't complain. Dead men, dead women don't have an opinion. Dead men, dead women don't throw their toys out of the cot because they don't like the way something's done or what they heard. Dead men and women are dead. This is deep teaching. (laughs) Just let that sink in. Dead. And we actually, our responsibility as ambassadors of Christ is to represent the king wherever we are, whenever we are, whatever we're doing. It's not about our opinion. It's not about your opinion. It does not matter. We are, there's a word for it, disciples. Disciples. Representing the kingdom of God at all times. God's intention is that our pursuit of Christ and his kingdom will cost us everything. That's why he talks in these terms. Dead. It doesn't cost you any more than dead. No, when I'm dead, I've given it all. Everything. God's intention is that our discipleship costs us everything. Dead. Following Jesus isn't an easy easy option. And remember that maybe, just maybe, Jesus is nicer than you think he is. But, But discipleship isn't an easy option. Discipleship costs you everything. Discipleship will cost you absolutely everything. Discipleship is defined by sacrifice and obedience. Just That's the way it is. Jesus wants our all. Discipleship is 24-7. It doesn't turn on. It doesn't turn off. And when you and I say, Jesus, we make you Lord of our lives, we sign the dotted line saying, I will be a disciple of Christ. I die to myself. I was raised with Christ. It's no longer I that lives, but it's Christ that lives in me. It's all very good until we have our own agenda, isn't it? And then it kind of, it's no longer about me. It's about Christ in me. Today, what I'd like to do is, I've said that as a platform because I want you to understand that discipleship will cost you everything. That discipleship is fundamental to who we are in Christ. It's everything. We are dead to ourselves. We, we, we dead. Our agenda is gone. It's about God's agenda. But I want to give you some keys. I want to teach you in part how the kingdom of God works so that you can thrive in your discipleship. Because I don't think that, um, you know, when Paul wrote those words, he wasn't going, oh, Dying to Christ, that is just as miserable when life oh, is not worth living anymore. I don't think he was like that. He's like, woohoo, I've died to Christ myself. I'm, I'm in Christ. I'm new in Jesus. I'm a new creation. This is awesome. That's how I think he was writing it. But we read it as the opposite like, oh, what have I got to do today? I've got to have to read my Bible. Clear. I'm going to have to pray, surely not. No, no, that's not open. Paul's like, whoa, I get to live my life to this cause. This cause is awesome. This cause is awesome. 
This cause is bigger than me. This is about God. And he's working with me. I'm working with him. He's chosen me from the beginning of time and said, Sheridan, I want you, while you're on the planet, to do some stuff for me. And it's like, yes, I've connected with destiny. It's awesome. So I've learned a few of the things I want to try and teach you right now through my life. But it wasn't until recently that I realized I'd learned some stuff and I put it together and went, oh, that's why that works. That's quite good. Okay, I understand that. It's probably in the Bible. And um, so when I was a teenager, I used to race motorcycles. I used to ride, uh, race road motorcycles, hence motorsport in heaven. And um, I loved it. Man, I loved it. I lived it. I used to persecute my mother. All that came out of my mouth was motor racing. Blah, 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 and she, that's all she got from me. And we'd sit around the table, and at least Dad could relate to it, but Mum, no, it was just like, poor thing. And um, it was just motorcycles. And I had this dream. I was quite good at it. And I had this dream that I could be the world champion. Why not? Think big. Dream big. I could be the world champion. And just imagine if I was the world champion, how useful I would be for God. I would get to talk to thousands of people from the, you know, the rostrum. Standing on top. I want to thank Jesus Christ. Imagine the testimony. It'd be awesome. I'm trying to justify, trying to talk Jesus into letting me do it. You know, my plans are, I think he said his plans are, anyway. So I just wanted to do this. I loved it, absolutely. And through one reason and another, and and it just wasn't going to be. Decided it wasn't going to be, but. As it carried on in life, I still had this dream of providing really well for my family. I was really blessed when I grew up. We, um, I didn't come from a really wealthy background, but probably better off than most. And we had all the toys, and I loved the toys. It had to go fast. If we went fast, we had it. Jet skis, boats, motorbikes, you know, and, and I grew up like that, and I loved it. And one of the things I wanted to do for my family, Jen and I have two boys. We've got a 16-year-old and a 13-year-old. If I stood on here, I probably still wouldn't look in their eyes. I'd still be looking up at them. They're massive. But I, I wanted to provide for them, and I wanted to provide really well, and I wanted to go beyond the basics. I wanted the, some of the spoils. And then I really, God got hold of me and started to, to pull me toward his purposes. And the thing he said to me, in 1995, and I remember it as clear as a bell, I remember it because I wrestled with it for a whole year. He said, um, Sheridan, I want you just to let all of those dreams go, and I want you to give yourself to my purposes. And I wrestled with this for a year. It was a big deal for me because I'm going, but I want to do all these things for my kids. I want to live this kind of lifestyle. I want to... You know, I want to I want to bless my children as I was blessed by my parents, and I want to I just want the best for them. And you know, that costs money. And I think the life you're calling me to means that I'm not going to have any money. <laughs> and and it was a financial wrestle for me. At the end of the day, that's what it was about. It was about money. I had my own plans. I had my own purposes. I had my dreams. I had life planned out. I knew what I was going to do, how I was going to get there, and when I was going to retire, and everything else. I had it all sorted. And God said, no, I just want you to lay all of that down and do what I want you to do. A year. took a full year. I wrestled. Asked Jan, it was terrible, wasn't it, for me? I just wrestled. That, that was the deal for me. 
And finally I came to the place where I said, okay, your will, not my will. I will do. And the thing is, you can come to that place but never sense of bitterness in you. And go, oh, and I've got to. No, no, it took me a year to come to the place where I said, okay, I'm, I'm happy about this. Your will, not my will. I will do it your way with no strings attached whatsoever. I'm just going to take one step after another. I'm going to walk through every door you open for me and we'll see where life goes. You know, the thing that amazes me so much is that I'm really blessed. I've got a boat. It's not a new boat, but it's a boat. If I had a boat 20 years ago, that thing would have owned me. I, I love having a boat. I enjoy my boat. But if God said to me tomorrow, sell your boat, it's got no emotional attachment whatsoever. It's just like a blessing of God. Now I'm like, wow, I love that. My, my kids have done things I never dreamed I'd be able to do with them. I've got to take my children around the world. And, and when I was justifying it back here, I didn't even have that in my heart to do that. But now on this side of it, when I had no agenda, it's happened. And I'm going, man, you are so good, God. You are so good. I didn't plan it. It just happened. I think, man, you're amazing. But it all stems out of the fact that I let it go back here. The Bible actually says this. And this is what, um, actually, let me step back one before I go there. I didn't actually have the things I was giving up at that point. What God was saying to me was, Sheridan, I want your potential. Because there's no guarantee you and I are going to outwork any of the dreams that we have. You know, things go bad sometimes and you, you just you don't arrive. But, but what God was actually saying to me is, Sheridan, I, I want you to give me your potential, what you think you can achieve, what you think you can do. I want to be in everything. Just give that to me. That was part of the wrestle for me. But then I discovered that the Bible actually talks about this principle. The Bible says in Matthew 6.33, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Now what I've come to discover is God likes things. He created people to like things. God, God quite likes boats. He does. He thinks they're quite cool. He quite likes them, and he wired some of us to really enjoy things like that. He wired others to enjoy soccer. I cannot work out how or why, but he did. <laughs> the revelation just came. There we go. But, but he's, he likes things, and he likes, he designed us to like things. But here's the thing. The second that things go before the kingdom of God, we cut off kingdom provision in our lives. I just want you to think on that for a minute. That's a big statement. The second that things come before seek first the kingdom and live righteously, we cut off kingdom supply. Because Jesus made it very, very clear. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and live righteously and then these things will be supplied to us. Things can be anything. Things can be clothes. Things can be food. Things can be housing. Things can be cars. They can be boats. They can be sports. They can be careers. 
They can be education. They can be family. They can be all sorts of things. It can be the very air we breathe as a thing. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom. And it's two parts. We're good with that bit. The second bit, live righteously. And then all these things shall be added. Why don't we go to... Well, actually, before we go there, let's have a very quick look at how God designed things. If you go to Genesis chapter 1, actually, I will fill you in. Go there later and have a read of it for yourself. But in Genesis chapter 1, verse 29... God's just created people and all those kind of things. Then he said, then God said, look, I've given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food. Great. That's what God said. He made us everything and he goes, hey, by the way, uh, every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and the fruit trees, they're yours. Just go for your life. They're, They're your food. They will... You can eat from those. See, God created us, read Genesis 1, and God created us to rule and to reign and to govern the planet. That was his purpose for us. He uh, then supplied all of our physical needs in order for us to do what he had asked us to do. God actually had work in mind for you and I. It was never just about cruising and hanging and doing nothing. He had work in mind. We are created to work. And then he supplied everything we needed for our physical requirements and our emotional and our spiritual requirements. And then it always fascinates me that the first sight of God that Adam and Eve experienced was the rest of God. Because they were born, then it was evening. They were created, God said it was good, and then it was the Sabbath day. The first thing people actually, we're created to work, but the first experience mankind have had of God was watching him rest. That's fascinating. you You can dig deep on that. Absolutely fascinating. Then you go to Genesis chapter 3, sort of uh, verse 14 on, it's a fall. So Adam and Eve sinned. Most of you with me on this, you know the story? You're starting up with me? Cool. So uh, Adam and Eve sinned, and the outcome of that, verse 17, halfway through, um, the ground is now cursed because of you. All of your life will struggle. You'll struggle to scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles. Though you will eat of its grains by the sweat of your brow, you will um, have food to eat until you return back to the ground. God set this beautiful planet in place, the kingdom of God, on planet Earth, Garden of Eden, um, commissions men and women, rule and reign, supplies everything we need to do that. Get to Genesis chapter 3, the fall happens, and suddenly it's all changed. Suddenly now it's about struggle. It's about... Toil, toil and work are two very, very different things. It's about toil. And it's really toil is the mark that's on humanity from this point. You're going to work really hard. You're going to struggle to make a living. Um, Toil is the best word to describe it. Toil, you're working incredibly hard without the desired or the proper results. Work is something quite different. Workers working and achieving the results that were intended. But toil isn't. You're now going to struggle. In other words, this is really, really bad news for humanity. Really bad news. But then you go to Matthew 25. Uh, sorry, Matthew 6, verse 25. And it says this. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. 
Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in the barns for your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add to a single moment of your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory wasn't dressed as beautifully as they were. And if God cares so wonderfully for wild flowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have such little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly father already knows. The word unbelievers there, some of your Bibles probably have the word pagans. And if you do the homework on the work and the research, the root of pagan actually means, because we think of pagan as unbelievers, it doesn't mean that. It means people who don't live according to what they say they believe. In other words, this building may be full of pagans. Sorry, didn't mean to insult you. But it's the truth. People who don't live according to what they say they believe. Interesting, eh? So after that it says, Seek first the kingdom of God above all else, And live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. I love, this is the most incredible passage of scripture. Because the garden we created, and everything is good. The kingdom of God is at play. The kingdom, it's just perfect. And God has supplied all the needs. Remember, I'm actually talking about discipleship here. I'm talking about it will cost you everything as a disciple of Christ. Okay, just joining the dots for you. The the, the Garden of Eden is perfect. Everything is supplied. Everything is laid on. God says, look, I want you to go to work. I want you to govern. I want you to rule over the, the earth. Then the fall happens. And there's a curse that comes to mankind, and it's marked by the word toil. You are now going to toil your way through life. But then you get to Matthew chapter 6, and God says, These are the words of Jesus that I just read to you. He says, hey, check this out. I'm going to tell you how to reverse the curse. I think it's a stunning piece of scripture. He says, blessing, toil. Now this is how you live in such a manner that I will supply all of your needs. Disciple, make the kingdom of God first. Above everything else. And be sure to live righteously. And I will sort everything else out on your behalf. Come back to the picture of the ambassador of Christ. An ambassador does not have to supply their own need. It is the role of the kingdom or the country that sends them to supply everything they need to do the job. And here we are, we're Christians, we're in the church, and oftentimes we're no better than anybody else in the world. We spend our whole lives with our head down trying to buy things. I want this. I need that. I've got to have that. I need the latest of that. I've got to have that big team screen TV. I've got to have the new house, the new car, whatever it is. And they're all things. And we wonder why life is so tough. And Jesus said, you're going to the wrong thing. It's not about the 
things. It's about the kingdom of God. Man, if this could drop in your hearts, this would change your world. Father, I pray that this is spiritual, that it's in the heart, not the head. Because, man, if we could get this. Life is not about things. Jesus says things are fine. But I'll take care of those. Can you please make the priority the kingdom of God? And living a righteous life. And it'll take care of itself. But I won't ask us to raise our hands because I can nearly guarantee that all of us in this room, primary motivation is things. Because we're people. And we live in the West. We live in New Zealand. And life is all about things. And Jesus says, guys, you've missed it. It's not what it's about. It's about the kingdom. It's about the kingdom of God. He says the kingdom of God's within us. He said, seek that thing, develop that thing, live righteously, and everything else will take care of itself. I probably cannot communicate to you how passionate I am about this. Because this is revolutionary. This, if the church of Jesus Christ could get hold of this, it would change everything. Everything. Because it's about the kingdom of God, firstly and foremost. And then it's about living righteously. You see, the way God, you just join some of the dots. There's kind of three big things, let's say, in the New Testament that he tells us to do. He says, go make disciples. In Matthew, yep, we can do that. We'd hold of that, the Great Commission. Go make disciples. Then there's the Great Commandment, love God and love one another. You find that in Matthew 22. And seek first the kingdom of God. The only thing was I just told you them back to front because he says, seek first the kingdom of God in chapter 6. He says, love God and love one another in chapter 22. In other words, unpacking chapter 6 still. And then he says, go make disciples in chapter 28. Seek first, the kingdom of God comes first. Discipleship is 24-7. Discipleship and pushing into the purposes of God, seeking first his kingdom, learning to love God and get to know Jesus is top priority for the disciples. We cannot expect. It's full-time. It's, it's sacrificial and it's all-consuming. It's discipleship. So when we talk about being disciple, I'm a disciple of Jesus. Yippee. It's actually pretty, it's like, it's a counted cost. I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ and it's going to cost me everything. An hour and a half on Sunday does not equal kingdom lifestyle. An hour and a half on Sunday does not equal discipleship. An hour and a half on Sunday does not equal seeking first the kingdom of God and living righteously. An hour and a half on Sunday is about coming together, celebrating Jesus and journeying together. But it's not discipleship, full stop. It's part of, part of. Seek first, live righteously. And he will take care of the rest. That will rattle every faith joint in your body and in mine. It will rattle everything. Straight away you go to, but, 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 no, no. He didn't say anything, but he just said he'll take care of it. 
you seek first. And see, this is where the, we've got to understand that we're dead. Because as soon as I look at the seek first and I go, the butts will start coming up. They come up on me, just like you. I've got, I might even have more reasons than you, more butts. But it's at that moment I've got to remind myself, hey, I'm dead. I don't have an opinion on this. It's the word of God. Jesus said it. I don't get to question it. Mine is to grapple with it and try and walk it. And that is the call of discipleship, friends. Follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. Maybe, just maybe, Jesus is nicer than you think he is. But pursuing him will cost you everything. Living a kingdom life will cost you everything. I wonder if the musos would like to just come for a moment. and I, I want us to have a moment to respond to Jesus this morning. Because I, I don't know what's going on inside of you right now, but I know if I'd heard this a few years ago before I wrestled with it, and I, was, I spent years wrestling with this, everything inside of me would have been screaming, the butts, the butts, the butts. We've got every reason in the world that we can put up in front of us going, I, I just can't, that's too hard. Welcome to the life of faith. Welcome to discipleship. We signed up for something incredibly special when we invited Jesus into our world. And this morning I think, well, number one, I want to encourage you that your best life is lived in relationship with Jesus Christ. Let's make no, you know, that's absolute fact. Your best life is found in relationship with Jesus Christ. Let's not worry about whether it's going to be hard, easy, or anything else. The fact is your best life is found in Jesus Christ. Things that are worthy of our attention are the things that Jesus asked us to give ourselves to. The kingdom of God is worthy of our attention. Righteous living is worthy of our attention. The kingdom of God is worthy of our attention. Jesus is worthy of our attention. And he doesn't want to share it. He just wants us to give it to him. Jesus has uh, given us very clear instruction. My question to you is, are you willing to obey? Are you willing to obey and to answer his question, his command, seek first the kingdom? I, I would like to, I really sense some God's agenda, to create an environment now where you can respond to God. And I was just praying about the best way to do that. I really think we need to get out of our seats this morning. See, I could ask you just to respond in your heart, but I really believe that whilst that's important, it's almost a cop-out when we're talking about the cost of discipleship. And I'd invite you as we finish to come out of your seats, to come down the front here. You might want to stand, you might want to kneel, you might want to sit, doesn't bother me. But I invite you to get out of your seats and come and commit yourself afresh to Jesus as a disciple of Christ. 
come and pour out from your heart. Jesus, you've said the kingdom of God is first. I will seek the kingdom of God first. I will pursue a righteous life. And my faith is that you've got everything in place. Everything I need. Because I'm doing what you asked me to do. Maybe you need to come out here this morning and you just need to say, Jesus, as of today, I am dead. You just have to keep dying every time you get back up off the altar again. But maybe today, that's what Jesus is asking of you. Jesus, I'm dead. I want to do this your way. I want to be a disciple of Christ. I understand that it will cost me everything. But I want to walk the way you've asked me to walk. How about just standing to your feet for a moment? Holy Spirit, I ask that you would rest on every person. Breathe life and breathe courage this morning, I ask in Jesus' name. Father, that revelation would just bang in people's hearts and minds right now. That Jesus is calling me and he's calling me to an everything life. And Lord, I ask this morning that you would deposit the courage in us that's required to respond to you. I pray that hearts are soft before you this morning and I ask, Jesus, that as people open their hearts and as people come before you this morning, there would be a supernatural work going on. That chains would be broken. That lives would be set free. Father, that healing would come as people let go of the reins and give themselves to you. Let your kingdom come. Let your kingdom come, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you need to respond to Jesus this morning, why don't you come out of your seats now? Just come and kneel down the front, stand down the front, do what you've got to do. This is your house. Do what you've got to do the way you've got to do it. But can we get real with Jesus this morning, please?